0: Again, welcome to New City. Really glad to have you guys with us this morning. Um, last week, we finished up that series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and as I was getting ready, really a couple of weeks ago, getting ready for, um, for the next sermon series and what we were going to do, I talked with a couple of our elders. We work together uh, often on our sermon series. And um, we decided together to scrap what we had already prepared and instead do something that seemed more fitting with finishing the Holy Spirit uh, series that we just did. And looking back, it's really amazing the way that God, and all credit to Him because um, I would not be smart enough to put it together, but God has just sort of put together um, several sermon series back to back that, that... this is a perfect fit for. Um, Before Easter, we talked about, uh, really, about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus leading up to Easter and um, how how the good news changes us. And we talk about that, the gospel changing everything. And so we did that sermon series on how the gospel actually does change us. We looked at the sermon uh, on the plane, had a series there, and um, we talked then primar- primarily to believers, and we talked about, okay, so you are a believer, how do we live? In this new kingdom that Jesus has ushered in uh, and that's what we talked about what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God we followed that up with the Holy Spirit um, and I really enjoyed that series God has given believers the beautiful gift of his spirit to be in us and to be with us in this new life in his kingdom that he has called us to he sent us and that God has called us to in his kingdom So it only seemed good in a natural fit that we would follow that up um, with the, what, what happened next historically, right? Jesus said, I'm gonna send the Spirit, and then Jesus did send the Spirit, and we read all about what happened in the book of Acts. And so that's what we're gonna do now is uh, start a series on the book of Acts, and we'll go through the entire book of Acts together. And I think this is one of the greatest stories ever told. I love the book of Acts, um, and, and I love how it leads right up to our story the story of New City, and um, hopefully this morning you'll get a glimpse of how it leads to your story as well. And we are in this great story of God together. So let's pray and then get started. And as I do every week, I am asking if you would pray with me. Don't just listen, but we we can go to God together. Pray with me. Pray that God would do something great by His Spirit this morning um, because that's what we really want to see. Would you do that with me? Yeah, good. Let's pray together. Father, we do come together and um, thankful. Thankful that, uh, that you hear our prayers and uh, you are a good father who wants to, to help and uh, a good father who cares for us. And we are asking that um, you would give special care now as we've gathered and that you would, by your Holy Spirit, be especially good to teach us this morning. To help us walk as you've called us to walk. To be the people that you created us to be. Uh, Father, in all those things and in all of this life that you've called us to, we need your help. Uh, So help us this morning. Help us in the days to come. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so let's get started. We're in the book of Acts. If you want to turn there in your Bible, we're going to be looking at chapter 1 this morning. Um, but I'm, I'm calling this Luke Part 2 um, is, is what we're starting today. And I'm calling it that because it seems that Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, Luke is writing a second account Um, For his reader, a special reader, but all of his readers, both of these accounts were written to the same person addressed to Theophilus. Uh, Luke started his gospel, the gospel of Luke, by addressing it to Theophilus and explaining that this was, the the gospel of Luke, was his attempt to give an orderly account of all that he had heard and learned from those who saw and lived with Jesus, the eyewitnesses he calls them. Uh, Luke was a friend of the apostle Paul. Uh, Paul referred to him in Philemon 1 as a fellow worker in the gospel um, and uh, as a beloved physician. So Luke was a physician, a beloved physician in Colossians chapter 4. He was not an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. Um, He was not one of the original disciples, um, but he was a man who was interested in the facts. He was a man who heard the story of Jesus and wanted to share the story of Jesus and he wanted to gather as much information about the life of Jesus as he could. He was a man interested in the facts and the truth and writing that down for his friend Theophilus and for others as well. Ultimately, you know, God would use Luke not just for Theophilus, but for all of these generations and for us as well. Luke's gospel is written about the, the birth of Jesus, right, like, like the other gospels, the birth of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, and it, it follows through um, to his death. It includes um, his resurrection as well. And Luke's gospel ends this way. way. Luke chapter 24, verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he departed from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Now we turn the pages from the end of Luke to Acts chapter 1 and the start of what I'm calling Luke part 2, Acts chapter 1 verse 1, "'In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when He was taken up after He had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen.'" He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So where, where Luke leaves off in his gospel, we turn the pages and Acts begins. And we pick up in verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. "...for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now." So when they had come together, they asked him, "'Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel?' He said to them, "'It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority.'" So, what is next, right, in this unfolding story? The Gospel of Luke talks about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and now the book of Acts picks up with His resurrection and His ascension. Jesus instructs His disciples. What's next? Jesus is with His disciples, and He gives them instructions, while I am gone, Jesus says. In verse 4, we see His first instruction. And that is to wait in Jerusalem. Like as he is preparing to to leave them, he instructs them wait in Jerusalem. Uh, This, of course, ties in with our previous sermon series. Wait until the promise of the Father comes. And what he's talking about is the promise that, that God made and the promise that he made to them as well about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Wait until the Spirit comes. Now, if you remember in our previous series, what a huge promise this was from Jesus. Jesus was telling his disciples before this day, Jesus was telling his disciples, I am going to be leaving you, but it's better that I leave you. And that just seems crazy. Like, it is better that Jesus is gone, but that's what he tells him. It's better that I leave you so that I can send another like me. I will send the Holy Spirit and He will be your helper. Holy Spirit will teach you. He will lead you. He will encourage you. He will empower you. And so now in the book of Acts, we read Jesus saying, wait, wait in Jerusalem until He comes. The disciples, as He's giving them these instructions, try to change the the topic, and they're wondering if Jesus is leaving, is he going to establish his kingdom? And so they ask him, Jesus, are you going to establish the kingdom now? And Jesus answers, it's not for you to know when the Father has established or is, has, has set to establish his kingdom, and he moves back to instructing them, and his second instruction is that you will be my witnesses. Wait until the Spirit comes, and then be my witnesses. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We talked about this in the Holy Spirit. Spirit series as well. The Spirit has come to help us in the mission that God has given to us. Uh, The Holy Spirit has come. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us in God's great mission of redemption and reconciliation. Jesus said that it is the Holy Spirit, it's not us, it's not our wisdom, it's not how, how great we can share the gospel with people, it is the Holy Spirit who would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. It is the Holy Spirit who bears witness in us and through us of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. It's the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. He leads us, he guides us, and this is not just in life in general, though we see in the life of Jesus and the apostles, he did that as well, but This is also specifically in the mission of God. This is the same mission that we've talked about in in Matthew 28, as Jesus before, before He ascended, before this day of His ascension, when He was gathered with the disciples and He commissioned them um, to God's mission. As you go about your life, Jesus said, as you go about your life, make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And Jesus said, Behold, I will be with you always. Now the way that Jesus was with them in this mission, to help them on this mission, to to guide them and empower them in the mission, the way that Jesus would be with them is through the coming of the Spirit. When he comes, Jesus now says in the book of Acts, Acts 1, the Spirit, when he comes, he will come with great power and you will be my witnesses. You will tell people my story, Jesus is saying. You will tell them what you've heard. You'll tell them what you've seen. You'll tell them in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus was reminding them of their commission to God's mission. And then he says this in verse 9. When he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Right? That's, that's it, right? Right here. This is what we're talking about. This is where the page really turns from, from the gospel of Luke to Luke part 2 in the book of, book of Acts. Jesus had been with his disciples for three years. He lived with them. He trained them. He taught them. He prepared them for that day, right? For that day that was coming and days that would follow. And the day comes. They've watched Him, heard Him preach and teach, and they've seen all of His miracles. They were with Him when He was brutally beaten on the cross. They watched Him breathe His, his last breath, and, and, and they, they saw Him taken to the tomb, the tomb sealed, and how excited they must have been the day that He came back, even in their doubt that Jesus had risen from the dead. And now, now they witness Him ascending to the right hand of the Father, and there are angels standing next to them as he ascends to heaven. While I am gone, Jesus says, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Those are his commands. While I am gone, the two men say he's coming back. While I am gone, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when he does, you be my witnesses. You tell the world about me from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the ends of the earth. The king was leaving. Hear me, the work of the kingdom was to continue. Even though the king was leaving for a while, the work of the kingdom was to continue, and Jesus would send the Holy Spirit to help in that work. So let's see what the disciples did next. How would the disciples respond? Verse 12. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So we stop there for a moment because here uh, there's a lot to see of how they responded to what has just happened and to Jesus' commands to them. Uh, The first thing that we see is their response is immediate. The way this is written, um, the picture that we get is that Jesus told them to to remain in Jerusalem and wait until the Spirit came, and then they would be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then the way this is written, it seems immediately, immediately they responded to to Jesus, as soon as the ascension had taken place, the disciples left the Mount Isle away. So they walked back to Jerusalem. But, but their response was immediate. Listen to me, they didn't delay. They didn't delay on what Jesus had told them to do. They didn't have to take a vote on it. Did everybody hear Jesus say, Should we do this or should we? Jesus said that there was no vote. They didn't even stop to pray about it. Didn't stop to pray about it. They immediately left for Jerusalem. Jesus said it. Their response was uh, uh, immediate. It was also obedient. They gathered together as they had when they were with Jesus in Jerusalem, right? Immediately they responded. They were obedient. They headed back to Jerusalem. Um, uh, uh, Obediently they went to the upper room in Jerusalem where they had gathered even with Jesus. And then verse fourteen says, "All of these, the disciples, the women, Jesus' mother uh, and brothers, they were all of one accord; they were unified. So, how did they respond? They responded in unity. Now, there are a lot of things that we can, and don't 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 miss this here. A lot of things that we can be unified over. There are a lot of things that we are unified over. Um, there, there is there is unity in sports teams." great unity in sports teams. Last year, Georgia winning national championship. My word, I am tired of hearing about it. You guys are unified. You guys are unified in that, in that victory. But you get what I'm saying, right? We, we, we come together over a sports team. We have great unity over our sports teams. Right, right now we're doing that with the Braves because they're, they're on a streak, right? Everybody's a Braves fan right now. There's, there's unity over that. There's, there's unity when we have something great that we can all celebrate together. There's, there's even unity when we have a common enemy, Right? That, that's what happens at election time. We gather up in our groups over a common enemy and we have unity over that. But, 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 but here, the, the unity that was there with these people, it, it was a unity in Jesus. Like they, were, they were unified in one thing. They were a diverse group of people. They had, they had very different backgrounds, and yet here they were unified in, in one thing, and it was Jesus. Because every one of them believed the good news of the gospel and had been changed by who Jesus was and what he had done. Jesus unified them, his work, his word, and now in leaving, his promises and his commandments, they were unified. Jesus said, wait, they waited. Right? No question about it. Jesus said, wait, we all heard it, we're waiting. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, we're not going anywhere until just as Jesus together, the Spirit comes. They were unified, one mind together unity in Christ. Their response was immediate, it was obedient, it was unified, and it was prayerful, right? With one accord, they were devoted to prayer, verse 14. They were seeking God. They weren't outdoing whatever they wanted or, or what they thought best. They were prayerfully seeking God for what would happen next. And there's one more thing I want to point out. In verse 15, um, Peter addresses the group. We won't read all of these verses for time, But Peter addresses the group, about 120 of them have gathered, and he reminds them that Judas had been one of them, and he was no more, Judas who had betrayed Jesus. In verse 20, Peter says this, For it is written in the book of Psalms, may may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. And what Peter is saying is we need to fill Judas's position. And it needs to be a man who was with us, a man who was with Jesus, who walked with him and and who saw him, who was a witness to his life, to his death, and to his resurrection. Verse 23, and they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, uh, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said... You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship, which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Their response was faith filled right? They they responded when when Jesus ascended and, and gave them commands. It was immediate, obedient, it was unified, it was prayerful, and it was faith filled. Peter felt that they needed to replace Judas. He connected this with what he was reading in the Psalms. He believed this was God's leading and God's desire for them to replace Judas as one of the apostles. So by faith, So by faith, he stood and talked to the 120. But that wasn't the only faith-filled response, though it was. Two guys met the requirements, Joseph and Matthias. They prayed, Lord, who knows the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. Show us which one of these two that you have chosen to be the next apostle. When we pray, that is an act of faith. Prayer is an act of faith. When we don't pray, it is an act of pride. We don't need God. We can figure it out on our own. They prayed because they knew they needed God's help. They, they, they prayed believing that God would hear their prayer, that God heard the prayers that they had made in the past. They prayed believing that God would answer. God, you show us which of these two should be the next apostle. That is all faith. And then they did something else that required incredible faith. They cast lots for the two guys, right? Casting lots is like rolling the dice um, or, or maybe flipping a coin, Um, They may very well have had a handful of straws that were cut at different lengths, and and each of the men, with one of them holding the straws where you couldn't tell how long they were, each of the two men would pull a straw, and short straw loses, right? And so if that's the case, then Matthias drew the long straw. That's how they decided which of these two would, would be the next apostle. Now, in school, when I went back to school, and in commentaries, as I've read commentaries on um, on these verses, uh, the big the big question is always, or the the, the main topic is, was Matthias really the twelfth apostle? Because we don't read anything about him after this, right? And so they're like, were, were they getting ahead of God? Was Matthias really the the next apostle, or was it Paul? Was Paul really the twelfth? I, I I think, I think we miss the point completely when we go down that road. I, I, I think the, that discussion misses the beautiful picture that we have of the faith of those disciples who had gathered. The faith that they exercised as they prayed, God, you show us which one of these two is is, is the man to be our next apostle. They they prayed, and then trusting God, they drew sticks of all things. They drew sticks, and then they said, yep, that's our guy. They, They trusted God in that act. Like God is sovereign over which, which man picks which straw. That's what they believed about God. And they believed that God loved them and God desired best for them. They believed this was God's mission. And they were God's men and women gathered together on that mission and that God would lead them. They, they, they believed. It was an incredible act of faith. I will tell you, I do not have the faith to draw straws. I would, I would question it immediately Best two out of three <laughs> Three out of five Are we sure? <laughs> Are we, did you hold them all at equal lengths? Yes. I'm just being honest with you By, by faith they went to Jerusalem to wait yes. That's what he said do Go to Jerusalem and wait. By faith they went to Jerusalem and waited. By faith they gathered in the upper room where they had gathered with him before. By faith Peter stood and he said, you know what? I'm reading the Psalms and I think we need to replace Judas. By faith they prayed that God would make the choice for them. By faith they cast the lots. And by faith they numbered Matthias among the eleven. Faith-filled responses. So, so let, me, let me put this turning of the page, what we've talked about this morning together. The, the, the book of Acts is a turning of the page from Luke's gospel, which was all about the acts of Jesus. We, we, we turn the page now to what is most often called the acts of the apostles, but I would argue that it's really the acts of the Holy Spirit. But that's for another day. Luke continues his story with with what happens after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus to the Father. Before leaving the disciples, he gave them some instructions. It wasn't the first time they had heard these instructions. It was a reminder, but he gave them some instructions. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit comes, then you tell the world. Tell the world, be my witnesses. Go to the starting in Jerusalem and and spreading out to Judea and Samaria. Go to the ends of the earth, telling the world my story. And with that, he ascended to the Father. And we don't read it, but it's there, this tension, right? We don't read it because we just read through the story quickly or we know the story and we're familiar with it. But there would have been a tension there, like what what are the disciples going to do? Their leader is gone. They were already hated and rejected. How would they respond to Jesus' instructions? Acts 1 is the perfect prelude to this amazing story, the amazing story that unfolds, And, and it gives us a glimpse this morning at what we will see. The disciples' response set the stage. Their, their response to Jesus' commands are, are immediate. They don't, they don't wait. They don't debate. They don't discuss it. They don't say, let me pray about it, and, and we'll see where that goes. Their response is immediate, right? They're obedient immediately to what Jesus has said. They go and they wait. They wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They're unified in that response. They're unified in their prayers together. They, 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 they have gathered 120 of them, and they are, they are praying. And they are filled with f- faith while they wait. Filled with faith while they wait. And their faith is not a passive faith. I think this is important, too. Sometimes I'm guilty of a passive faith. Their faith was not a passive faith. They didn't didn't just go about life waiting to see maybe God would do this thing or not do this thing. They didn't go back to the life that they had lived before Jesus had come. They were actively engaged in the faith that they had, actively engaged in the thing that Jesus had called them to do, and that was to wait on the Holy Spirit. They were actively engaged. They they went to the upper room. They gathered together. They prayed. They continued in the scriptures. That's why I think Peter said, hey, we see this in the book of Psalms. I think Peter was was in the scripture. They continued in the Scriptures probably together, I'm certain, as they waited on the Spirit. They sought the Lord's leading as they, as they waited. We, we see that in this, in this call to the, for the 12th disciple to be named. They, they sought God, praying to Him, God, You show us who should replace Judas. In that process, while they, while they waited, actively engaged, filled with faith, they cast the lots and they appointed Matthias. They believed the Spirit was coming, they believed that when He did, they would be Jesus' witnesses some in Jerusalem, some in Judea and Samaria, and some believed even now that they would carry the good news of of salvation through his life, death, and resurrection to the ends of the earth. They believed. That's why they gathered. They were getting getting ready. They were getting ready for Jesus to do exactly what he said he would do. They were getting ready in, in 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 their waiting. They wanted to be ready when the Holy Spirit came fully expectant that, that, that things would happen just as Jesus said. And then for the next 27 chapters plus, we will see that Jesus was faithful to his word, to every promise again and again and again. This is truly the start to one of the greatest stories in all of history. And can I tell you something? Spoiler alert. This story is our story. That's why it's so incredible. This story is our story. The call of those first disciples to make disciples, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, that is our call as well if we are followers of Christ. If you are, if you are here and you are a believer, this is your call as well. The story of Acts is a part of a, a, a much bigger story than just the Gospels even. It's a part of a story that's, that's far bigger than the Gospels and, and, and the book of Acts. Bigger than Luke 1 and Luke 2 is what I'm saying. We call it the big story at New City. This is a part of God's big story, the big story that, that all of the Bible tells, the big story that, that, that includes all of human history, past, present, and future. God created, we, we tell this story often and i'm going to i'm going to tell it forever until the lord comes back because it's such a beautiful story God God created in the beginning, and His creation was good, and He created Adam and Eve, and He placed them in a garden, and and He looked at His creation and said, man, this is is very good. God enjoyed fellowship with Adam and Eve. I I don't even know that we can begin to comprehend what that means and what that looked like as God was physically present in the garden with Adam and Eve, walking with them and, and talking with them, communing with them. That was their life every day in the garden with the Lord until the fall. The fall took place the day that Adam took of the fruit that God had forbidden in disobedience to him. Sin entered into the world, and sin changed everything. It changed everything immediately, and it has changed everything up to this point. Adam and Eve were separated from one another by their sin, and worse, they were separated from God. Their sin was passed on to their children. We see it in the, in the, in the next chapter of Genesis, and it's been passed on to every generation since then. Sin from one generation to the next, to the next. Sin left us, left in that sin. We remain separated just like Adam and Eve were separated from God. Left in our sin, them left in that sin, they would be separated from God. We will be separated from God forever and ever. But God was not satisfied with that. This is the beautiful thing of the story. We've done everything wrong. And this incredible God was not satisfied to be separated from the people that He he loved. And as early as Genesis 3.15, immediately after the fall happened, God begins to make promises that He's going to fix all of this brokenness. Fully and finally, one day he will establish the kingdom that should have been in Genesis. It should have been b- before sin entered into the world. One day he would defeat death and sin and Satan, that serpent of old. God promised a Redeemer. Over and over and over in the Old Testament through the prophets, He said, He will come. The Redeemer is coming. He will come. He will come. And when He comes, He will fix all of this brokenness. He will usher in a new kingdom. He will be the one to usher in the kingdom that Adam failed at. He will be the one to usher in the kingdom that should have been in the garden for all of God's people. And that Redeemer, when He comes, He will forgive sins all of the sins of God's people and He will make them whole. He will come and He will redeem them and one day He will restore all things as they should have been. This is the story of the Bible. That Redeemer has already come, hasn't He? What's His name? Jesus. Luke's Gospel tells us the the, the story of the coming of that promised Redeemer of His life, of His his ministry. Matthew tells us the same story. Matthew tells us as well that before He left His disciples, He told them that, that they were to continue what He had started, making more disciples. Make disciples who will make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples. Teach them who I am. For those who love and follow me, teach them to obey everything that I commanded. And one of those commands is that they should make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples until the ends of the earth have heard the good news that Jesus has come, that sin and death and Satan has been dealt with. We are here today because of how they responded. And that just blows my mind. We are here this morning singing beautiful songs and reading the story of Acts because of how they responded to the call of Jesus to join God in His big big story. We are here today because their response was, was immediate because they were were obedient to exactly what Jesus had called them to, because they were unified in their hearts. They were were a prayerful people who sought the Lord. They they, they responded with prayer. They responded filled with faith in the promises of God. They believed. They believed that Jesus was coming back. When those two men said, Why are you looking up at heaven? He's going to return. He's going to return. You'll know when he comes. He's going to come just like he's leaving now. They believed that Jesus was coming back to finish the work that he had started. They believed that until he returned, they were to do what he had called them to do, and that was to be his witnesses, telling the world around them as they went about their life, telling the world around them of all that he had done, of who he was, the great king, the great redeemer had come. They believed that the Holy Spirit would empower them. They believed that it was the Holy Spirit who would do the work when they, when they proclaimed the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They believed it was the Holy Spirit who would convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And by his power, the good news of the gospel went forward. We are here this morning with that same message. We we are we are here this morning with that, that same message. Our our savior and our king has gone away, but listen to me, he's coming back. He is he is coming back, and, and when he does, when he comes back, he is gonna fully and finally establish the kingdom that, that should have been in the garden. He's going to fully and finally establish the kingdom that has been promised through the prophets for centuries and centuries. He is coming, and when He does, He will fix all of this brokenness. We are a part of that unfolding story. Isn't that incredible? We are the disciples now tasked with being His witnesses. We are the, the, the players, if you will, on the, on the stage of this chapter in, in God's big story of redemption and, and the upcoming restoration of all things. You will be my witnesses, Jesus said. You will be my witnesses as you go. As you go, here, here in middle Georgia, here in, in other parts of our state, in other other parts of our country you will be his witnesses and for some of you to the uttermost parts of the earth. This is our call and it just blows my mind to read this and to to understand this. This is our call, This, this story that we're reading in Acts, this is our story now. Their story becomes our story. Their their call becomes our call. And the question is how will we respond? Will it be immediate? Will it be obedient? 120 people gathered. One hundred and twenty people, by the power of the same Spirit that indwells us, change the world forever. Might we do the same? Let's pray. Father, what a beautiful story. How incredible that we are invited to participate. To partner with you in changing everything. Remind us again and again, Holy Spirit, that life is far bigger than we imagine it to be. That we are so much bigger in this story than school teachers accountants, attorneys, whatever, whatever, whatever. You have called us to so much more. Remind us of that and remind us of the power of the Spirit. The same Spirit that changed the world then, now indwells us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.